And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Today, we return to Joel chapter 1. Our focus will be on verses 10 through 13. Joel told his contemporaries, and by extension all of us, that a divine call to national repentance must be heeded, or national sin will be exposed, and there will be a national disgrace. Remember, God chastens unrepentant nations. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Could America be disgraced by our national sin? Could the American church be deprived of joy and all public worship? Be looking around, and are there figurative locusts in the air over the real estate between Hawaii and Maine, between Minnesota and Texas? Are there figurative locusts buzzing in the air over this country? We don't see any reference made to the United States in Ezekiel or Daniel or Revelation. That's significant. By then, by the prophetic events of Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation, by then, could it be that the figurative locusts have eaten the USA into oblivion? Verses 10 to 12 are very sobering. The field is ruined, the land mourns, for the grain is ruined, the new wine dries up, fresh oil fails. Be ashamed, O farmers, wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine dries up and the fig tree fails, the pomegranate and the palm also and the apple tree. All the trees of the field dry up. Indeed, rejoicing dries up from the sons of men. Verse 13 is our last verse in the passage for tonight. Gird yourselves with sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Come and spend the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Sackcloth appears here in verse 13, and it was also referenced previously in verse 8. Do you see it there? Wail like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. Sackcloth would be very similar to what we now know as burlap, potato sacks. Can you imagine sewing together a poncho or a skirt or a pair of shorts or a robe out of burlap potato sacks? Talk about itchy. In the ancient Near Eastern culture, the wearing of sackcloth was the uniform for intense and formal mourning. Usually sackcloth was worn to mourn the physical death of a loved one. You put on a suit of sackcloth when someone you loved died. But verse 13 instructs the religious leaders of that day, the priests, the ministers at the altars of the covenant, the altars of the law to Israel. It told those men to put on burlap. Set aside your normal priestly vestments and garments that were fancy and comfortable and put on potato sacks. No doubt seeing the priests of all people walking around wearing sackcloth and not making their usual daily sacrifices of grain and drink 
Morning and evening would have cued even the most absent-minded Jew that something is wrong. No doubt that burlap wardrobe and the unused altars would have screamed out that the national sin was in the camp and that God's call was a call to national repentance. And he made that call through the eerie and intimidating buzzing of a billion locusts. First part of verse 11 seems to tie this all together for me. Be ashamed, O farmers, wail, O vine dressers. They were to be ashamed. The Hebrew word behind the translation, be ashamed, was literally to be publicly exposed and disgraced. God tells them to be ashamed to be publicly exposed and disgraced. This brings me to a summarizing application point for you and me, and it's this. When the Lord chastens us, it's because he loves us enough to spank us when we need a spanking. I don't love my kids when they were young. I didn't love my kids if I didn't give them a spanking when they needed one. God loved his covenantal people in 835 B.C. enough that they needed a spanking, and he gave them one, and he used locusts. This, my friends, is a timeless principle. It's a principle of every era of time, because in Hebrews 12, verses 4 to 11, listen, God says that chastening is a sign of legitimacy in his family and an evidence of his love for you as his child. Hebrews 12, 4 to 11. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father, capital F, the Father of spirits, and live? For they, that is our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he, that is our heavenly father, disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. When the Lord chastens us, when he spanks us, it's because he loves us enough to spank us when we need a spanking. When we need it, our Father reproves us. He disciplines us. He doesn't look the other way and hope it'll clear up. And when he disciplines us, it's painful. It's supposed to be. When he disciplines us, it's painful, but actually it's an evidence of his fatherly love and an evidence of our real adoption as his sons and daughters. I don't spank anybody else's kids. I've thought about it. I don't spank anybody else's kids. That's not my place. They have their own parents who are supposed to do that. 
But back in Joel's time, the Lord was spanking Judah with drought and with locust infestation. And today, right now, the Lord spanks the church in many other ways. But whatever ways the Lord uses to spank his people who need a spanking, we know some things are true. Number one, he is proving his love for us, verse 6a. Number two, he is proving his acceptance of us into his family, verses 6b through 8. He is giving us the opportunity to be submitted to him, verse 9. He is enhancing the quality of our lives by protecting us, verse 9b. He is doing us good, verse 10. He is sharing his practical holiness with us, verse 10b. He is training us, verse 11. He is ushering in peace and rightness before him, verse 11b. He loves us enough to chasten us. He cares about us enough to spank us. There are two more verses I want to tie into this before we quit. And the first is Romans 1.17. It says this, For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The it refers back to verse 16, the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. It's a little phrase from faith to faith that I want to hit on with you. This phrase from faith to faith stresses that salvation, the whole package of salvation, is faith of faith, justification is of faith, sanctification is of faith, glorification is of faith. From faith to faith, from the beginning of being made right with God to the finish of being culminated in being completely right before God, it's all of faith. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and there's another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue talking about imitation. And as we've already been talking about, we need to understand that imitation is following someone, um, or we can say it this way, basically is doing an imitation, the action of using someone or something as a model. So today we want to continue talking about imitation. And as we consider, you know, we need to understand that we all imitate people. Whether we want to believe it or not, we become people the way we dress, the way we think, the way we conduct ourselves. Even for us who like to play basketball, we imitate our favorite basketball player and we want to do their moves. And as we consider the history of sports, we see that people always imitate other people. Today we want to talk about how Paul is, again, telling the church to how, how they have imitated him. And we need to understand, as it said in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 to 8, it says this, And you yourselves became imitators of us and of of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcome the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. I want to just stop there because I want us to understand what Paul is saying. Paul is recognizing that this church has basically they are they are imitating him, and they have welcomed as he has seen severe persecution. They have welcomed this because they know that the message with joy is from the Holy Spirit. You see, when when we consider our lives and as we consider being disciples and following out of Jesus, the world notices. And while there may be always be people who turn away from us and from God, there will always be people who are drawn to God because of our lives. When we imitate God and we imitate others, other Christ followers, our lives are impacted. And this is what Paul is, is seeing right here as this church is following him, as, as he preaches the word. But they also are experiencing severe persecution. 
And we need to understand as, as Christians, as believers, that we are going to face persecution. It's going to come in your schools when, when you try to stand up for God. People are going to look at you and some people are going to respect you for your stance and others are going to not want anything to do with you. And you need to understand that you're going to lose friends over following Christ and, and being an imitator of Christ and imitating of others. That people, as they see your life, they're either going to be drawn to Christ or they're going to be pushed away from Christ. But we need to recognize that as, as young people, as I could think of my life, I remember um, going on a mission trip at the age of 17 and, and telling others about Christ and, you know, just sharing the gospel and telling them about Jesus. And basically, I thought that it was up to me to change someone's life. I thought that, you know, if I told them the gospel message, I thought that, you know what, they need to accept it. And if they didn't accept it, and I was a failure. But as we consider and we think about what this is saying is that we need to understand that, you know what, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to make the changes in a person's life. The message is our job to give. We need to be understand that we are to be the messenger, but the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to convict that person and to draw them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, it would be easy for us if we considered our lives and we thought to ourselves, you know what, I can... If I could have a magic wand and just change people, it would be an easy, easy task. But that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit needs to work in that person's life and change them. Because we need to understand that just like the people we are talking to, we were like that way. We once walked the pattern of the world. We didn't know Christ. And so the things of Christ were, were nothing to us. We wanted nothing to do with it. We rejected Christ so many times in our lives because we kept on hearing the gospel message over and over again, but we didn't respond. But it was at that point when the Holy Spirit worked in our lives and he changed us and we saw the light for the first time. As we think of 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 7, it says, As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia. You see, we need to understand that as a result, as they followed Christ and they followed the life of Paul and they saw him and how he lived his life and he went through persecution, there were other believers that came and saw this. You know, and this is a challenge for all of us who call ourselves Christian because we need to recognize that we are an example. And people are watching our lives every single day and they're seeing when we fall. And let's be honest, in the Christian life, people want to see you fall. People want you to fall. And you know what they end up doing? Kicking you down even further. They don't want nothing to do with you. Then they point out the faults in your life. And we sometimes think to ourselves, you know what? Why should I keep on following Christ? Because all I'm doing is getting persecuted. All I'm doing is getting hurt. Well, the reality is when you follow Christ, this is what's going to happen because your life is going to be an open book for people. And for us as, as believers, we need to understand that we are a testimony. We are people that represent Christ. We are people that don't just put on a Christian shirt or whatever, but we are people that people should see Christ in everything that we do. And I think too many times in our, in our lives as Christians, we sometimes think that we need to have it all together. But you know what? We're not going to have it all together. As we consider the life of Paul, Paul didn't have it all together. But it's because of the Holy Spirit in his life that he changed and, and, and he did a miraculous change. And that was only done by the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we think that we have to be perfect, but none of us are perfect. We all need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And thank the Lord that he has given us the Holy Spirit to live in us and to convict us of our sin and to show us how to live. In First Thessalonians 1 Verse 8, it says this, For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out, 
Therefore, we don't need to say anything. You see, this again is for us because we need to understand that as a Christian, our words, you know, we, we can talk the Christian game and, you know, in our country today, in our culture, we, we know the Christian needs. We know the Christian language to impress people. We know the Sunday school answers. We know all the different things to make people think that we are saved. But the reality is that our actions don't line up. You know, we could go on social media and post our verse of the day and we could write all these things about Jesus Christ and how we love God. But the next day we are basically using curse words on social media. You see, it doesn't work that way. And as it says here, that we need to understand that our actions need to match our words. As verse 8, as it closes, says, therefore, we don't need to say anything. We don't need to say anything because our lives show it. Our actions show it. It shows Christ in the way we conduct ourselves. And I think too many times in our lives, what happens in, in, in a Christian um, church today is that a lot of people speak it. And we have a lot of preachers who preach about Christ, but yet their actions are completely different than what they are preaching in the pulpit today. And I think that that's the problem that we've had today, that we've looked up to the wrong people. We have looked up to people who, you know, have hurt us, abused us, and, and um, you know, say they know Christ, but the reality is that they are far from Christ. And I would challenge you to find someone who you can trust, someone that you see Christ in and you see that they are different because they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, look, look for a local church. Look for a church that can help you. Um, you know, here at Calvary Bible Church, we have a youth group on Friday nights and we also have a children's program on Tuesday nights that we would love for you to be a part of and that we have people in these, in these different uh, ministries that can help you to know more about Christ. But I think that we all need to ask ourselves that whether we be young or old, whatever our age is, that we need to ask ourselves, what would people say about me if they knew nothing about me? Would they see Christ in my actions? Would they see Christ in what I do every day? Or would they see a phony, a fake, a person that speaks the good game of Christ, but yet their actions are far from Christ like, you know, I think too many times, again, this is what the problem is for us as Christians. We have given Christ a bad name and we've allowed ourselves to just continue to give him a bad name. And this is why people don't want nothing to do with the church. And I'm not talking about a church name like Calvary Bible Church, but I'm talking about the universal church, the Christian family. No one wants to be a part of this because they see how much we as Christians have basically pushed people away from Christ because of the way we act in our churches. So I want to challenge you. What would people say about you? Would they say you're a person that is following out the Christ with everything? Or would they say that you're a phony, you're a fake? This is Pastor Nicholas, and this has been an edition of You Talk. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning, listeners. I have Nathan Sawyer, Director of our Media Services at Calvary Bible Church in the studio with me this morning. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning. So pleased to have Nathan with us. Beth and I have been marveling at the variety of media services that Calvary Bible Church is blessed to provide. And Nathan has been at the center of those for some years and does an excellent job along with all of his team of workers. I thought I'd like to throw a window open for our listeners, Nathan, on some of the variety of things that you and your team do by way of media services at Calvary Bible Church. Okay. 
Well, weekly we put out some publications, which include our Calvary Bible Church bulletin and prayer letters, as well as sermon notes and those kind of uh, paper publications. Um, We also do video publications on a weekly basis for our online viewers. Um, We would have videos of our Sunday services that would both be streamed live and uh, available at a later point in time for their review. There's also um, our video announcements, which we politely call CBC News, Mm -hmm, which uh, gives the uh, viewer um, an idea of what's going on in the body this week and upcoming events. And um, that's available online, as well as we show that in both our 8 and 11 a.m. services. Then we have this, our weekly radio uh, broadcast that is uh, broadcast on 1540 ZNS every week at 7.30 a.m. Then uh, we do audio services. Um, We provide uh, service audio for both our our Sunday morning services, concerts, funerals, and weddings. Um, We can provide video services for those as well. Um, And then we have a a group of uh, faithful persons who do our projection um, work, and they would project our song lyrics and um, sermon notes and all those things that make a service flow very easily. And then we have um, social media persons who uh, would be on pages like our Facebook page. That's uh, Calvary Bible Church at CBC Body on Facebook. And um, they would make uh, a lot of these other resources that are published to our webpage available to those who might only visit our Facebook uh, entity. That is a lot. I'm just tired and smiling listening to that list. We are so blessed. I know that there are larger, numerically larger ministries in the U.S. and Canada that don't have nearly this variety of media service support. So I thank the Lord for you and for your team and for all the hard work uh, you put in as unto the Lord every each and every week. Tell me a little bit about how you view media services. It's more than just the list that you ran down, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. And I'll start by saying that uh, that ministry, the media ministry, is a very vital ministry to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not my key ministry. Um, my key ministry is the discipleship of young men and, and women, but but mostly young men. And uh, media is the tool in which I use to do that. We would normally catch the the persons who don't fit into Sunday school or are um, looking for something else to do during a service. Sometimes even the troublesome individuals in your church who walk around frequently or talk um, incessantly are always on their cell phone during a service, we tend to attract those persons with the technology that we use. That's a hook, and that gets their interest. And from there, we try to explain that, one, you need to have a relationship in Jesus Christ. Yes. And after they've either come to place faith in Jesus Christ or profess that they are already in the Lord, mm-hmm. um, we, we work further to disciple them, that uh, they get in the Word, they plug in, they grow spiritually as they grow um, in the work of the media. And, you know, it grows beyond that. We, we have uh, uh, persons in our media ministry who have left the church and are involved in discipleship programs in other churches. 
Um, we have uh, gentlemen in our own ministry uh, who are or were um, deacons um, or elders in training, small group leaders, discipleship group leaders, um, etc. It's fantastic to see those persons that may have come showing just an interest in, in uh, technology, as you've said, but they've come to understand that uh, a developing faith and love for Jesus Christ is really what's most important. And I know that uh, that's your heart to help steer those individuals to walk closer with the Lord Jesus. And it's really exciting to see that. Do you have any other thoughts that uh, would be good to let our listeners know about? You've shared a lot of information already. Well, if someone listening would be interested, um, whether to be plugged in at Calvary in our media department, or if they're already active in some other ministry and would just like some further training, or, or you know, just contact me at the church office um, Tuesday through Friday. The number is 326-0800, and I'll be happy to talk with you. Excellent. Why don't we just close this segment off before I pray? Uh, what's that Facebook? Uh, it's Calvary Bible Church at CBC Body on Facebook. All lowercase, CBC Body. That's correct. As in Body of Christ. And then our email is info at calvarybible.org.bs. And our webpage is calvarybible.org.bs. Nathan, you're a joy uh, partner in the ministry and a friend, and I thank you for all that you do, many countless hours you put in. And I like to say to people who, who ask, you know, the difference between um, a servant of the Lord and um, a person who's really not a servant of the Lord is that an employee looks at the clock, engages his or her work based on, well, now it's time to work and now it's time to quit. A servant uh, doesn't watch the clock. They stay and do their best uh, until the job is done. And I just want to give God glory and you thanks for being that kind of a servant, brother. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's have a word of prayer together. Oh, gracious God, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth as the supreme servant, the one who would willingly lay down his life for us to shed his blood to pay for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And Lord, today I commit and commend to you uh, Brother Nathan Sawyer and his media team at Calvary Bible Church. I pray that you would continue to richly bless them in their work. I thank you that their work, with its quality and comprehensive nature, is such a blessing to our local church family, to the city of Nassau, and by extension through the radio and the internet, to the family islands and, in fact, the world. Lord, I pray you'd encourage these who work in the media services department of this local church. Bless them, guide them, help them, provide equipment that they need, technologies that they may need to secure. Give them all that they have need of, Lord, to the end that you be made much of and glorified in all things. And last, Lord, thank you for those that are presently being trained to be fully committed followers of Christ through our media services department. And please bring more to us, Lord, more young people people of all ages that you want to see walk close to you in obedient discipleship through the media services ministries of Calvary Bible Church. We love you, Lord, and we can say that because you have first loved us. And we pray in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name together. Amen. Amen. 
You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.